Blog Talk Radio. This is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Quiglet, Jiglet, what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on. And betting line has taken the lead. Choo choo, boom! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-host Mike Carter. Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles? And Mike Bozen. Smoking Gun, Shaman Hall, production, Smoking Gun is flying, here comes Smoking Gun, I don't know! That just happened! That just happened! At Dial, you've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And boy, Mike, we've got an exciting couple of weeks coming up. I cannot believe we're at the end of 2017 already. Yeah, unbelievable. And of course, that means that we are on the doorstep of the 2017 post time with Mike and Mike Awards, the third annual. First time with Mike and Mike Awards, and I'll tell you, I have no idea where the time has gone. It just, it seems like yesterday, Mike, that we got this thing started, and already we're in our third annual Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards. And uh, by the way, we are going to, I guess, kick off the uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards season, as we like to call it, with our nominations, which open up uh, in Good grief, about an hour and a half or so you could start nominating oh, yeah. on our website at posttimewithmikeandmike.com. And also we are unveiling our Wall of Fame and uh, visit our Wall of Fame because it's got descriptions of past winners, uh, very nice setup, kind of a hats off to all the great men and women that have won Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards. So check it out. Uh, that's on our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. But uh yeah, we're here already, buddy. It's nomination time, my friend. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, you know, for those of you who don't uh, don't remember what the categories are, haven't uh, you know, this is your first time maybe hearing of the awards. We have the Ted Barkis Race Fan of the Award Year Award. We've got the Horsewoman of the Year Award, which Mike, that's been an ultra competitive. Uh, division in the uh, two previous years uh the larry reinheimer small stable of the ward the upset of the year and the foiled again iron horse of the year and we've got two uh very special awards one is a new award uh, that we're going to present is the usta innovator award and mike uh, we received confirmation yesterday that we could uh, fulfill this one it is the sam mckee race call of the year uh, we want to thank uh, Christine McKee and the entire Sam McKee family for allowing us to uh, put his name on the uh, race call of the year, which he won last year. 
Yeah, Mike, and that's very important to us because obviously Sam was a very good friend, a mentor to both of us and a lot of other uh, up-and-coming, uh, you know, harness uh, announcers in the sport and just a great overall guy. And I'll tell you, I am super thrilled and super pumped that that award now has his name on it. Of course, he was last year's award winner with that unbelievable always be Mickey call in 146. Mike, I don't know about you, but that call continuously goes through my head like daily. I listen. I, I I I have that call like ingrained in my brain. It was one of the great race calls I think of all time of harness and thoroughbreds, and it means a lot to us, Mike. It really, really does to be able to put that award in his honor. Just a, a, an unbelievable feeling, really. Definitely, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's a class of an award that Roger Houston won the year before, and you know, this year uh, I, I I can't say that we've had that standout call yet, Mike. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who gets nominated. Obviously, me and you are both ineligible to uh, to win that award, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see who people nominate. Uh, you know, two years ago, Wiggle It Jiggle It versus. Uh, Oh, jeez. No, I can't even think. Lost for words. Lost for words. Yeah, lost for right. words there. Yeah, there you go. And then, uh, of course, last year, uh, Sam McKee's 146 miles. So it'll be interesting to uh, to see what happens. But, Mike, uh, I, I do want to talk about the Foiled Again Iron Horse of the Year real quick. Um, because this is a category, Mike, that uh, we instituted uh, two years ago because there are 13 and 14-year-olds racing out there who don't really get a whole lot of recognition. No. No, absolutely not. And and I know we went back and forth a little bit on this. And, you know, we like to have our, our board meetings, if you will, on the air a lot of times. And uh, I know one of our concerns this year was Foiled again. Well, he's probably going to win his own award, but uh, the name, it is after Foiled again. So Foiled again is the award. He is like the ultimate iron horse, in my opinion. Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously his the, the award's kind of in his honor. So that kind of makes him like, like us for the race call of the year. Mike, that kind of makes him ineligible, but uh, hey, that's why well, the award's named after him. And we we are going to do something special uh, for yeah. for those right. people who are listening and going, oh man, Foyle again's not eligible. He meets the criteria. We are going to we do have something special planned in the works. Uh, we're not going to release that just yet, but we do have something uh, very special uh, for those guys. But Mike, the one award that I think I'm most interested in seeing uh, what kind of nominations we get is the USTA Innovator Award. And uh, I've actually added a sentence to the end here to ask people to please provide a description uh, as to what these people uh, have done or, you know, done. And the USTA Innovator Award was uh, an idea that you actually came up with, Mike. <laughs> a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, my friend. Yeah. That, well, that, that's right. And this is an award uh, we're going to offer to somebody basically who's presented new ideas or ways to help promote the sport of harness racing. And Mike, uh, we all know there's problems in the sport of harness racing. There's plenty of ways to air those uh, concerns. Uh, but while people or while we understand there are problems in the sport, we want to honor somebody who understands that but has helped pave the way for new ideas to help attract a new audience to the sport of harness racing in a positive manner and uh, basically meeting our uh, mission statement. And, you know, I'll tell you what, over the last couple of years, I think you've seen uh, quite a few people with some new innovative ideas try to, you know, get those things started, try to 
present harness racing in a little bit of a, a different light and in a different way. And I think social media has opened up a lot of those avenues, you know, to where those doors were previously closed. So, yeah, I think it's very important to recognize those ideas, uh, follow up on those ideas if we possibly can. And, and obviously we want to recognize them here on Post Time with Mike and Mike because we think new ideas and innovative ideas are very, very important in the game going forward. And I'll tell you what, one of these ideas, Mike, you never know. One of these ideas could, uh, for lack of a better term, make harness racing great again. That's very true. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, the small stable of the year uh, nominated after, or excuse me, named after Larry Reinheimer. We're shooting for uh, any stable who's less than 15 horses total. Mike, uh, you know, uh, sometimes we stretch that out a little bit depending on what we get. And my favorite is the upset of the year. This one produces oh, yeah. some really, really fun uh, nominations. Last year, I think we got six or seven, and uh, even one from overseas, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, always interesting to see. And, and there's a lot of uh, upsets that happen during the course of the year. I mean, because, I mean, quite frankly, there's a lot of harness races each and every day, not only in the States, but overseas. And, you know, a lot of upsets that fly under the radar, a lot of high-profile upsets. I'm not going to mention it, but I could certainly think of one right off the top of my head this year that is almost sure to get a nomination. But it's always interesting to see where they come from. And, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of uh, – that's one of our favorite awards, actually. Actually, they're all of our all, all of our favorites. I mean, it's it's very cool, you know, how this thing is taken off, and it's very cool to see the harness racing world participate, you know, in uh, the Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards. We like to bill it as the Fans Award because, you know, the fans have an opportunity to vote and uh, voice their opinion, and uh, I'll tell you what, that's something that we're really, really proud of, and we're looking for the third annual Post Time with Mike and Mike Award to be the best one of the trio so far, and I have no doubt that it will be, my friend. Definitely. Well, advertising opportunities are still available. Um, we do have a couple of we, – we want all to try to present all of these uh, awards with uh, somebody's name on them, and uh, we'll have all of that information. We're creating a mini site uh, on our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com, to uh, highlight the things that we want to uh, highlight with the Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards, but uh, there are definitely some sponsorship opportunities available. No question about it. And like I say, we're going to uh, create a mini site, like you were just saying, on our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. It's going to have all the information, all the awards uh, that are obviously available, 2017, the nomination form, plus our wall of fame. You could kind of uh, visit the history books and look at the past winners. It's going to be a really cool thing. That'll be available on our website later on this afternoon, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. We've got a great show on tap for you today. Uh, one of our favorites, a guy that uh, has uh, yet crossed another milestone it seems like every other week this guy's got a milestone going tim teacher's going to be joining us here in just a few minutes plus christine zernison from millstream farms they're having a, a great time at the harrisburg sale we're going to chat with her about that coming up towards the top of the hour our inside handicapping series is going to continue one of the uh, great harness racing handicappers jeremy day will be joining us uh, plus much much more we're also going to inter- introduce kind of a new segment to the program mike we're going to take a look at some harness racing headlines uh, that have made uh, the harness racing media front pages this week. So we're going to talk about that as well. A lot coming up on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Tim Tetrix on the On Deck Circle. We'll be right back. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. 
Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward point state restrictions. Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment as live harness racing action returns Saturday, November 4th. The first 1,000 guests will receive a 2017-18 commemorative calendar filled with images of the sport's greatest horses and drivers in action from the 2017 racing season. Photos are courtesy of track photographer Lisa Photo. The giveaway will begin at 6.30 p.m. at the Players Club desk in the clubhouse lobby. For more information, visit PlayMetalands.com. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Up the pressure, second at the top of the stretch. Thundering Lover is third to the outside. Photobomber fourth. They straighten away for the stretch drive. Could this be the one? Overiera by a length. Thundering Lover's up the inside. Call me Boomer's out wide, but Overiera standing his ground. They come down to the finish. 10,000. Timmy Tietrich, Overiera, the bionic man. And there it was, career win 10,000 for driver Tim Tietrich. We're back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, Tim Tietrich joins us on the program. Tim, you've been on this program probably, I don't know, four or five times now. And uh, obviously, we read the articles. Uh, U.S. Trotting did a nice article. Harness Racing Update. Our good friend Brett Sturman did a nice article talking <clears throat> about your 10,000 win. And, and, you know, you've probably answered a lot of these questions already. So I'm going to lead you off with a little bit of a different question, maybe a question that they didn't ask you. And, and you know, as you, as you warm up your horses, and this pretty much goes on any time that, that Ashley and, and uh, your young daughter, Trista, are at the racetrack. And when you look over uh-huh. – at uh, when you look over at Trist, the root and daddy on, that has to be something really, really special. And when you cross the line uh, for the 10,000th time with that win uh, here at Harris, Philadelphia, looking over at the Trista, that really has to mean a whole lot to you. Oh, it means the world. Uh, you know, she's my biggest fan, and she always cheers for her dad, and she's always on the fence when she's at the races. You know, it's just good to see her over there uh, cheering me on. <clears throat> and she, and she's a she's a really really charming girl. You guys have done a a heck of a job, and, it, and I'll tell you what, she's definitely a she's definitely a daddy's girl, right? Is that a, is that safe to say? <laughs> well, if 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 I if I'm not there, she's a daddy's girl. If, if I'm there, she's a mommy's girl. She, <laughs> she plays both sides pretty well. When you look over at her, Tim, do you see? Fast? Can you fast forward in your head fifteen years? Do you think she's going to be sitting in that sulky one day? 
<laughs> you know, I'm sure she's going to want to try it a little bit. You know, hopefully she has that opportunity and hope our business is still strong enough for, you know, a person that can make a living in it. You know, that's, uh, you know, you know, hopefully if she wants to, she'll be able to do it. Well, listen, Tim, I, I got to apologize to you for a second because I, I, on behalf of Mike Bozich, because Timmy T, that's the only thing you can come up with. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally, I'm totally, totally just kidding, of course. I thought but it was Tim, a great call. Great call. I, whenever you guys are playing through, I was getting chills. I thought Mike did a great call on that. Well, Tim, listen, your check's in the mail, buddy. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, listen, uh, you know, I'll joke you aside, Tim. You've been to the Winter Circle 10,000-plus uh, times. And, you know, obviously every win uh, has to mean a little something. But go back to your very first victory. Uh, where was it at? And uh, what it, compare, kind of compare and contrast the two, does it kind of feel the same, uh, same way each time you enter the Winter Circle? Well, you know, and winning never gets old. My first one, I was actually 14 at a county fair matinee. Um, I actually got to drive a matinee when I was 14 with a mare called Pat Does Count. Um, you know, that was my first really ever get to win a race. And then, uh, you know, like, you know, some of the things wear off, you know, but the getting to walk in the winter circle and winning a race means everything. And, you know, the bigger the purse, the more enjoyment you get out of it. But just winning is uh, pretty cool. Always in one's life, no matter what your profession is, there's always that proverbial fork in the road that you could look back and say, well, if I went down this path, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. And I guess kind of your proverbial in, in many uh, drivers and trainers, proverbial forks in the road was uh, when Illinois failed on numerous attempts to try to get expanded gaming. And, and obviously you see what happened with the Illinois product. I mean, no, no Maywood, no Balmoral, uh, Quad City Downs is gone. A lot of the racetracks there in Illinois, uh, you know, Hawthorne kind of stepped up to the plate, but obviously it's a very, you know, limited kind of meet. It's no longer all year round there. Uh, Sportsman's Park's no longer there. If, how do, how do you think things would have been uh, for your career, Tim, if back 15 years ago, Illinois did get expanded gaming, I'm, I'm guessing you'd have probably stuck around there, wouldn't you? Probably. You know, if uh, racing would have stayed the same there, they they had a great program in Chicago. They raced pretty much seven days a week. And um, if they would have kept their purses up when I first got there, to, you know, 200, 225,000 a night, I probably would have still been there. You know, that's kind of home for me. And, you know, the not having to travel too much would have been nice, but, um, I'm sure glad I made the move. You know, I went, they uh, they helped me. They pushed me out of there, and you know, they made me a you know a household name when they did. So it worked out really good. <clears throat> now, Tim, you've won uh, obviously a ton of races and uh, with a ton of different horses. Um, you know, whether it be a claimer or a stakes horse, does any one horse kind of just jump off the page at you? I mean, there's plenty of those horses. Uh, you know, I, I go back to Southwind Tempo. She was kind of my first big horse that I got. Uh, um, Toby Lynch was training her, and he asked me to go to the Meadowlands to drive her. And, you know, she went that night. And I think she won the, one of the late the, the series they have there in the spring. And she won that. And then she went on to win like 12 in a row. So, you know, I went to Meadowlands and after that more often because of her. And, uh, you know, my name got out there and people started using me. And, uh it's just been fortunate. Uh, I've, I've got to get on some really good horses, and they've given me a good ride, that's for sure. <clears throat> you know, Tim, reading the Harness Racing Update article, one of the things that I think you talk about, and, and obviously we all brainstorm all the time about how we could make harness racing better and, and uh, you know, how we could make it, you know, more accessible and how we could grow this business, getting more racing fans involved. And, and uh, one of the interesting things that, 
you know, you brought up and talked about uh, was the whipping rule. And I do think that's kind of important in the marketing aspect of it, because, you know, especially the, the PC day and age that we kind of live in, a lot of people are, you know, obviously very, very mindful of the, of the safety of the horses and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you talked about the whipping rule a little bit and and it should, it's not even a whipping rule because there's many whipping rules. It just kind of depends on, you know, what state you're driving in at the time. What do you think the ideal whipping rule is? What would you like to see the whipping rule be across the board, across all of our jurisdictions? Well, I, I think Medlands has a very good rule. Um, no whipping till top of the lane. And, you know, you can only hit once or twice without pausing and then no more than, you know, five or six strokes and the hand should not come past your shoulder. You know, it should stay in front of you. And um, I like being able to put both hands, both lines in one hand and keep the bits in their mouth and still be able to encourage them with my, my free hand, you know, the one with the whip, you know, not reach back and actually, you know, hit them hard or nothing like that, but be able to keep the bit in their mouth and urge them. You know, most horses, one or two little licks or little, you know, strokes, that's, that's all you need to make them go, you know, but when you have the lines in each hand and you push on them, the lines go loose. There's no way the way the bike sits that you can still make contact with that horse and keep the lines tight in their mouth. And if you're at mid push on that horse and that horse stumbles, you have no shot to help pick that horse up. If he stumbles, you're going down because he bits in his mouth. But if you've got both lines in one hand and you've got bits firmly in that horse's mouth, you still have a shot to help pick that horse up if he stumbles. So I think if you can, uh, you know, be able to put both lines in one hand and, you know, minimal urging, not 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 really work on them too hard, but get one or two little licks on them, and that's enough. Now, Tim, uh, obviously the younger drivers uh, of the generation or of the sport uh, are obviously the up and comings. But one one story that kind of sticks out in my mind uh, from a, when I first started at Buffalo Raceway, I was talking to driver Drew Monty, who actually came out to drive at the Meadowlands uh, a little bit uh, during the winter time last year, and he said one of his favorite horses was Spender Hanover, and I think uh, Spender Hanover might be uh, one of your favorites as well, as uh, he gave you your eight thousand career victory yes he did yep yep spender was he's a nice old classy horse and you know i drove him when he was a little older but uh he still had his legs under him and he could go fast so no he's a quality horse all right well tim listen we certainly appreciate you joining us my friend one final question before we let you go and you know we talked about kind of the relationship between you know you and your daughter and and uh, maybe one day she'll uh, be in the bike and following daddy's footsteps maybe she won't obviously the that's probably a lot of that's going to depend on the health of the business by the time that time you know rolls around but uh you know and you're still a young guy i mean you're still in your mid-30s you've got a birthday coming up right 36 yeah, yep, end of this month, yep, November 22nd, yep. All right, well, happy birthday, my friend. Um, Thank you. You know, some of the real younger guys out there, like some of the guys maybe in their late teens or early 20s that, uh, you know, were just kind of getting started in the business, what kind of advice would, would you give them? Um, just go to work. Put your head down and uh, treat people well, and um, you got to go to work. got to go to qualifiers and um you know, you got to be there every day. You know, it's a lot of hours. And, you know, like Tony Morgan always told me, he said, you got to go every day. Don't take days off. You got to race. And, you know, it kind of hurts the family life sometimes, but you got to go to work. You know, we're entertainment business. You're going to race Fridays and Saturdays. But, you know, if you get to be a, a top catch driver, it's a pretty good life. Yeah, it certainly you is. Be able to turn the page quickly. You have to be yeah. able to turn the page very quickly. <laughs> you can't dwell yeah. on the bad ones. You got to get mm-hmm. turn the page and go to the next one. 
Absolutely. And it, yeah, that's, uh, and that's, that's huge. I mean, the ability to do that, I think in any profession, because you're going to have your good days and bad days. And, and even, even, I mean, in driving, maybe more so because you have to turn the page in a matter of minutes, because, you know, as soon as you get off a horse, you're right back on the next horse. And, and, uh, you know, you'd certainly have to have that ability to turn the page. And I think, uh, you certainly do my friend. That, that was one of the, that yeah. was one of the best advice I ever got because a good story. Whenever I win the Hamiltonian with market share, most people remember the race before the Hamiltonian Oaks. I had um, checked me out, and she made a breaker on the last turn. And not ten minutes later, you got to turn the page and try to go out and win the million and a half dollar race. You know, you just blew the seven hundred fifty race, but you got to turn the page. And you know, luckily I was I went in and took a couple minutes, turned the page, and uh, went out and got to win my first Hamiltonian with market share. You know, now we won't mention any names uh, because I'm sure every driver goes through this, uh, no matter <laughs> if you've got 10,000 wins, 20,000 wins, or five wins. But it, it, we won't mention any names. We'll, we'll kind of keep it, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek here. But have you ever had a situation where, you know, you you, dr- you drive a horse and, and you get back and, and the trainer or owner comes up to you and says, what the heck were you doing out there? Ever, ever have any one of those situations? Many times, yes, many times. Yeah, I, like I like to tell them before they even ask. I, I already scratched my head. I have no idea what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 obviously you just gotta. I mean, you gotta bite your tongue because I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of times where you know you were like, well, you're probably well, no, I really didn't do that bad of a job. You didn't have the horse ready or whatever. But a lot of times, I guess you gotta bite your tongue because obviously you're trying to keep your drives as well. Absolutely. And, you know, you might drive a bad horse for a bad guy that usually doesn't have many good horses, but you never know. Next year he might buy the best two-year-old out of sale, and you hate to burn that bridge last year, and when he's got the next next year, have the best horse. So you got to, you know, treat people well all the time. And that's sometimes very hard to do, especially if you're having a very bad day. <laughs> yeah, no question. Well, Tim, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. And, and obviously, not only are you, you know, one heck of a driver, and and uh, but, you know, you are ambassador for the sport with, uh, you know, teacher gear and all that kind of stuff. I know you and Ash are always giving away stuff on Facebook and, and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And listen, we really, as fellow fans of the sport, we certainly appreciate everything you do for our sport, Tim. Well, that means a lot. Thanks, guys, and you guys do a great job on the show, and uh, we'll see you down the road. All right. Good luck today, my friend. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. That was Tim Tietrich. Uh, 10,000 wins. He's in his mid-30s, the youngest to ever accomplish that, and and uh, and I'll tell you what, he just keeps on going. He's one of those youthful veterans, as I like to call him, Mike. I mean, here's a guy that he, he seems like he's been around forever, but he's only in his mid-30s, and, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, he's definitely a future Hall of Famer. That's for sure. And uh, listen, you know, I was kind of giving you grief there at the start, but listen, no, great, fantastic call by you, number one. And, uh, you know, he, he's overcome a lot of adversity. I guess I should have asked him uh, about that, too. You know, he's the bionic man for a reason. Uh, he's got a yeah. couple of hips that's been replaced. He's got a couple of knees that's been replaced. So, you know, it, it's just, you know, they call him the bionic man for a reason. And, uh, you know, he comes to work every day. It doesn't matter how sore he is. In fact, there's even a, uh, if you go to YouTube, you can watch a uh, a documentary on him from a couple of years ago where they followed him to Harris, Philadelphia and back to the Meadowlands and just what that spectacle was like for him uh, as a driver. You can kind of get into his world a little bit. Yeah, that's a great series that they used to do at the, the day in the life. I remember they did one on Ron Burke and a couple of others where they just kind of, you know, followed him around as they go through the day. And and uh, I'll tell you, that's some interesting stuff. That was really interesting stuff. I, all that stuff's still on YouTube. So, yeah, if you get a chance, 
uh, definitely check that out. Speaking of new stuff, Mike, we've got a little bit of a new segment that we want to try, and that's coming up next. It's called Headlines, and we're kind of going to go back and forth a little bit about some of the uh, stories that have made the the headlines of the uh, top harness racing media pages throughout the week. So we'll talk about that, plus Christine Zernison and Jeremy Day, all coming up on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Want to sport the coolest Breeders' Crown gear? Head on over to Hamiltonian.com. Get your Breeders' Crown hats, polo shirts, sweatshirts, jackets, shot glasses, and more. They make the perfect gift for the harness racing fan in your life. Visit Hamiltonian.com. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and traditional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Twelve championship races. The captain, not to be denied. One spectacular night. And Father Patrick got a coast home champion here. Breeders' Crown 2018, coming to the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Pitching up the rail, modern legend there, foils again, dead game, clear vision laid on the outside, Pit Rock on the inside, photo finish, foils again, and Pit Rock together, run 49 and 2. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Picking up speed. Here they come. They're off, and it is on. If you're already off and pacing, what's the next step? If you're between the ages of 8 and 17 or know someone who is, visit thisisharnessracing.com to download the application for the This Is Harness Racing Aspiring Drivers Program. Perks include being a driver in the off and pacing game, meeting real-life top drivers, and getting free off and pacing merchandise. Join the movement. This is HarnessRacing.com. Hashtag This is Harness Racing on Twitter and Facebook. Back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. Mike, before we get to the headlines, I am thankful we are done road tripping for 2017, but we've got a fun 2018 uh, uh, plan, that's for sure. It's been a long 2017, my friend, but listen, I'm making a, uh, making a little bit of a trip. We're going to be uh, doing the Mike and Mike show live from uh, Harris, Philadelphia next week. 
Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we'll both be here. And I'll tell you what, it's always a can't miss show when uh, we're both here. You know what? Here's the funny thing, Mike, about this show. Okay. And if you go back and listen There's a lot to of funny things about the show, and, and I'm not talking about the, not talking about the, um, the, uh, wrote like the uh, remotes talking about when we actually do the show when we're together when we're actually face to face and not separated by about uh, you know a couple of states and uh, you know 800 miles or whatever you know but here's the funny thing when we get together it's always a very interesting show because for some reason we get technologically challenged big time Every time it never fails. I, I'm bringing the uh, I'm bringing the board with me, by the way. So and you would and, and by the way, you know what, Mike? And you would think it would be a lot easier. I mean, we could pull show after show off with no technical glitches, all these miles away. But when we get together, it's like <laughs> we can always hear it happens. Out. Well, listen. Now you're gonna jinx it, but I'm bringing everything techie with me. I'm bringing the internet there card and go. all that stuff just in case. But uh, listen, uh, it's gonna be a good time, and uh, so make sure you check us out next week. At 10:30. Well, listen. Let's get into some of these uh, some of these headlines, Mike. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the Harrisburg sale, the Lexington sale, and an article uh, Darren Zakali actually wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago about breeding and kind of you know the how many horses are running now versus you know how many horses are going to be running you know in the future and it's interesting that you know you see near record average in Harrisburg you see record averages uh with people spending in Lexington but you continue to see the kind of the full crop kind of you know fall a little bit each year it's interesting that you know that people are seem to be spending more but the full crop kind of diminishes uh that much more uh, as the years go by yeah, that's an interesting thing, and I know there have been a lot of people in our industry that have kind of started to sound the alarm about the full crop and as the numbers continue to diminish. And I mean, it's you know, it's mathematics. I mean, all these horses that get entered a day, you have all these racetracks, and uh, eventually, I think that full crop number is going to catch up to where racetracks aren't going to be able to fill races. And, you know, it's not a situation, and I've read a bunch of articles on it, and I'll be the first to admit, it's not really a situation that I understand completely. But I do think it's a situation that obviously needs to be addressed. And maybe over the next couple of weeks, we can have Darren on to talk about it, to try to, you know, clear it up and, and see exactly what's going on there. But the, no, it's it's certainly interesting when you compare, you know, the full crop numbers with the actual prices. And uh, I'll tell you what, people are spending money. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, they are. And uh, it's interesting, like I said, to see that the money uh, money's up. That's good for our, for the sport of harness racing. That's fantastic. You know, people are out there spending, uh, spending their hard-earned money on uh, brand-new racehorses, whether they be yearlings, whether they be two-year-olds, three-year-olds, or even older horses. Like, uh, you should see uh, the sale coming up um, in Delaware um, yeah. next – I believe it's this week, or next week, rather, because uh, we're getting a little short at uh, Northfield because a lot of our horses are in that sale and uh, it's interesting to see how many are in that sale. You know, you'll see a lot of horses come back. And it's it's definitely, uh, you know, it, it seems like, uh, remember when the housing market uh, went down into a buyer's market a couple of years ago? It seems like it's a uh, horse buyer's market right now. That's for sure. Yeah, certainly. And uh, I know Harrisburg's having a real strong sale. And I think one of the reasons is, is because of the legislation. And, and honestly, we 
had Marie Brown on the show last week. We were talking a little bit about the Harrisburg sale, and and uh, I posed the question to Murray from Hanover Shoe Farms, for those of you that don't know who Murray Brown is, but I posed the question about how the uh, legislation in Pennsylvania could have an impact on, uh, you know, the Harrisburg sale and the, in the sport in Pennsylvania, you know, by itself. And Murray basically brought up the point about a lockbox to where there was an agreement reached that the legislature can no longer raid the horse racing fund. And in Monday, November 6th, uh, harness racing update, on their front page, the headline reads, Pennsylvania Governor Signs Bill Protecting Horse Racing's Gaming Cut. And I'll just read just a, a snippet of this. It was written by our good friend Dave Briggs. But uh, Sam Beagle, who is the president of the Pennsylvania Harness Horsemen's Association, said legislation signed on October 30th by Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf. It guarantees that the current funding level to the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Development Fund from the state slots programs couldn't have come at a better time. The Standard Bread Horse Sales uh, Company's massive five-day auction is set to begin at Harrisburg, and obviously it stabilizes everything. But it goes on to say that the legislature cannot raid the fund anymore, which has obviously been a a big problem here in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, You know, it's been a year-to-year thing. Uh, the Pennsylvania horsemen always, and rightfully so, always worried because Pennsylvania is always in a budget de- uh, a deficit. They're always in a, a crunch for money. Um, you know, every each and every year, it's a task for the legislature to get together and try to sign a budget because they're broke. I mean, quite frankly, they're always looking for any nook and cranny to where they can get money from. And obviously, the you know that fund that the horsemen have has kind of become a popular target for them to raid. And now they can no longer do that. And that is good. That's obviously very good news. Uh, And uh, it's obviously strengthening the Harrisburg sale quite a bit. So, you know, hopefully more States that have these slot subsidies can kind of enact that because I'll tell you, as the States continue to uh, States across the country, as they continue to look for money, as they continue to be broke, you know, they're going to they're going to have to get that money somewhere. And unfortunately, we're in the sport of harness racing kind of in the firing line. I completely agree with that statement. And, you know, uh, obviously, you know, some states are, you know, what you, like you said, Mike, they're rating, you know, things that, you know, maybe aren't making as much money. And uh, we, we saw it happen or start to happen in Florida. And, of course, Pennsylvania has been kind of on a rocky road. So it's nice to see that, you know, that they've got this lockbox available to them. Um, that way, you know, they don't have to worry about losing their money. And I believe, Mike, if uh, if they try to raid it out or something, they've got to back pay. So that, you know, works in the horseman's favor as well. Yeah, and it's all it's all about stability. I mean, obviously, you're going to be very tentative in investing in a product if you don't know what the future holds. You don't want to invest in a product and then two, three, or four years down the road, there is no product. You know, so obviously that is huge for, you know, the owners and the trainers and everybody, you know, that wants to kind of invest in in uh, in harness racing, especially in the state of Pennsylvania. Moving right along, Mike, and I know we're going to get to uh, a little bit of a lighter side in a couple of these headlines before we bring in Christine Zernison from Millstream Farms. But uh, this article was also in Harness Racing Update, and I found this very interesting. It was written by Dean Towers, and uh, it talked a little bit about what they do in Japan, and maybe that can kind of work in the United States. And Japan... Mike has a vice president of wagering there. 
And that kind of took me by surprise because, you know, I mean, with the tracks being their own entities and then you've got the commissions and all that kind of stuff, you know, to have somebody that's got that power over all of the jurisdictions to be the vice president of racing. And then obviously, of course, Dean Towers kind of, you know, plays the devil's advocate and kind of throws out the question if that can work here in the States. And let me ask you, Mike, do you think that could work in the States? You know, it, it would be interesting uh, working in a mutuals department uh, at Northfield. I, you know, I see how that could be good and could also be bad. Um, you know, we've talked a couple of times, uh, not necessarily on this program, but it's been raised, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, kind of like baseball review, having only one judge at the uh, at the racetrack, you know, and they make a decision or, you know, you have your panel of judges and then, you know, maybe you bring in a central judge somewhere, you know, wherever they may be or whether they be in Columbus or whether they be in Harris, Philadelphia, wherever they may be. And, you know, a vice president of wagering, you know, could help. But my question would be. There's so many tracks racing at so many different times, um, you know, having to pay attention to all that at one time would uh, seem, seem like it would be a little counterproductive or the fact that it may be a uh, it may be a little tough to watch it all. Obviously, the big the biggest need that I can see for somebody and maybe it wouldn't be that position, that title, but. Somebody that can be like an air traffic controller, because Mike, as you very well know, and you guys at Northfield are probably the best at it of trying to stay off of other tracks when they're racing. And I know a lot of people, you know, kind of question the drag, you know, the minutes after zero that virtually every track takes now. Um, And part of the big, the biggest reason for that is to try to stay off of other racetracks. And, you know, I know that you guys certainly make a big effort. I know we do at Harris, Philadelphia. I know a lot of people kind of try to fit their track into where not a lot of other racetracks are, you know. So, in other words, if Harris, Philadelphia is going, we don't want to race the same time Monticello is, or we don't want to race the same time Freehold is. And, obviously, you guys don't want to race the same time the Meadowlands or the same time the Woodbine or Mohawk or the same time Pompano is on different nights. Um, maybe there can be kind of like an air traffic controller, somebody that is in charge of all of the tracks, making sure that no tracks race on top of each other. Do you see that as a possibility? I could. The My biggest issue with that would be like on a Saturday afternoon, for instance, when, you know, everybody and their mother is racing and, yep. you know, it would be tough, but I, I, I could see it possibly uh, panning out. You never know. Yeah, and obviously the strategy is, I mean, you know, you can't stay off of everybody, so you just have to pick a couple of racetracks, preferably the highest handle racetracks, like certainly nobody wants to race over the Meadowlands, or nobody wants to race over, you know, Woodbine or Mohawk, or on Monday or Tuesday nights, obviously nobody wants to race over Northfield, because Northfield's the highest handling track of that night, so I don't know, maybe an air traffic controller, but anyway, let's get to a little bit of a lighter side, Mike, and I know this is something you want to bring up, the power went out at Northfield Park in the middle of a race the other night, and Mike, that had, thank God that everybody is safe, that had to be a scary, scary moment. Listen, I wanted to bring it up. I think uh, this was your – no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, yeah, it was It was definitely a scary moment uh, when the power went out. And, uh, you know, all the horses and drivers did come out okay. Um, Hunter Myers was a little bit banged up. But everybody came out of that situation okay. We had some uh, pretty scary storms uh, come through the area on Sunday. 
but uh, I'm grateful that I work with such a great management team at Northfield and uh, the horsemen are fantastic. And uh, I think we were all in all, all in agreement after that first race that uh, we, we were pretty much done and uh, we didn't get power back till Monday morning around eight o'clock. But uh, thanks to uh, everybody who worked together, uh, who made that a uh, successful night, even though the power did go out. Now, I've got to ask real quick about Ayers, because I know that that had to be, and if you hear, listen to Ayers' race call, Ayers is going along with his cadence, calling the race, and all of a sudden that happened, and Ayers just, he had, obviously, he had to be very, very surprised. That's probably a, a first in his announcing career. Let me tell you, six weeks after I got to North, or excuse me, six weeks after I got to Buffalo, uh, it was my very first announcing job ever, Mike. And they're turning for home, and the lights go out in the stretch. And you talk about a nerve-wracking experience, and all I could think to say in that moment was, and the lights have went out here. Because you, cause you, don't, cause you don't know. I mean, you really honestly don't know what to say. I said that, and then I said, I can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's you know what what do you say in that situation and you know i haven't i haven't really sat down to talk to heirs about uh about that race yet but I, i'm going back through teacher racing's uh page here and i found the post and this video has been viewed 28,000 times wow 28,000 okay and I, I i talked to the charter and she said that's the first time since heirs has been here that i've heard him just stop calling the race because you really just don't know what to say, what to do. And in that situation, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, you know, in the situation he was in, he was kind of playing an air traffic controller for everybody else, trying to let everybody know, you know, you know, where the horses were, where the drivers were and all that other stuff. So uh, he did a fantastic job. Yeah. And real quick, before we get to time, I would get Christine Cernison coming right up here in just a minute, but uh, my man, Rich Matei, uh, kind of challenged me to to play this on the show because it wasn't all gravy over here at Harris, Philadelphia. The last week I was battling a terrible, terrible cold, and it got into my voice. And, of course, me just being very, uh, you know, the gamer that I am, I guess you could say, I kind of suffered through it. And uh, so I promised Rich that I would play this real quick. So without further ado, let's let's check this out. Wide. He's done violence dropping back. What a campam freedom up the inside. But it's Mr. Ruff outside. Very dark. The clock's running out. Mr. Ruff. Very dark. Mr. Ruff. <laughs> it actually, that, I don't even think that was the one that I wanted to play, what, to be perfectly what, honest. But what, nonetheless, what that? That, I, I was hurting. What was that? <laughs> I was. I, I was. I was hurt. As a matter of fact, after we uh, after we get that interview, Chris Lee said, I'll find the right race because uh, yeah, that that actually wasn't it. But I was struggling that one too. Not that I don't struggle during every race, but I mean, I was definitely <laughs> struggling. <laughs> All right, we've got Christine Sertison coming up. Uh, she's in the on-deck circle. Plus, we're going to talk uh, a little bit to Jeremy Day. It's our Inside Handicapping Series uh, continuing. Plus, don't forget nominations for the post-time with Mike and Mike Awards. Uh, are uh, Hey, they're open coming up uh, here in about uh, 45 minutes. So log on to our website, post-time with Mike and Mike, for that. Right now, let's bring in Christine Sertison from Millstream Farms. Christine, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. 
Well, Christine, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Harrisburg sale. And uh, I know you mentioned that, uh, you know, you had a, a mayor that was sick and, and that kind of scratched you from actually going to the Harrisburg sale. But obviously, Millstream was very well represented. Talk a little bit about the sale. Talk about your guys' uh, involvement. What's going on there? Yeah, well, thank you so much. Um, I did. I had a mayor that had an ulcerated eye, so I was unfortunately a, unable to attend. But uh, I got updates throughout the whole entire time. And um, it was a really strong sale. I think it was a strong sale for everyone involved. And I think most consigners are leaving extremely happy. Um, I know we are. We were the second leading consigner of the whole sale. So that was a big accolade to our, our little bitty farm of 11 yearlings that uh, we got sold this past week. Now, Christine, what goes into, you know, getting ready for a sale like Harrisburg? I know, you know, a lot of things, uh, there, there's probably a lot of prep work uh, leading up to it, but what goes into it from your end? Well, we actually have already started on the class that we'll be selling in 2019. So you're about, if, you know, what, two years out of beginning the process of when those yearlings will sell. Um, so there's a lot of thoughts who are you going to breed your mares to um where are you going to go you know what sire stakes program do you think is going to be hot at the time stallions are going to be hot at the time and you know two two years out it's a tough call on what to do and then once you get closer obviously you have the foaling season and from there you um go into your yearling season and we actually bring in our yearlings about 12 weeks before the sale and um, we get them out of the sun, make sure they don't have sunburn, and they begin the process of learning how to be tied, how to be groomed, all of that sort of thing. Visiting with Christine Sonison from Mill, Mill, uh, Millstream Farms. Christine, talk a little bit about, and we'll get back to the sale here in just a moment, but talk a little bit about uh, the beginnings of your career in the sport of harness racing. How did you get started, and uh, how did Millstream Farms get started? Well, that's a great question. Um, actually, my mom has been involved for over 20 years. She's been a breeder for that long, and um, she actually married a man who was involved in harness racing. She eventually divorced the man, but she kept her horses. She found her true passion. Um, I actually went off to college. I tried to get as far away from this business as I possibly could, graduated college, and something just called me home. I returned to Georgetown, Kentucky, to the original Millstream Farm, and um, went to Harrisburg that year, and I actually met my husband, who is a trainer, Jonas Sernison. And from there, my whole life completely changed. I didn't take the job I was supposed to in Washington, D.C. And two years ago, Jonas and I opened Millstream Farm in Allentown, New Jersey. Now, Christine, do you and Jonas, when you guys you know go to these horse sales, do you guys bicker at all as to which horse you like, or do you guys pretty much settle in on on which horses uh, you guys want to uh, get together? You know, honestly, it's it's one of those things. I do a lot of pedigrees, um, obviously being a breeder. Um, Jonas does a lot more in terms of like the confirmations and all of that sort of thing. So. You know, when he's looking for certain clients or even for ourselves, I'll look at the pedigrees and watch the videos. He is not that big into videos, which as a breeder for me makes me a little bit perturbed. But um, he's the horse first, figures out what he likes, and then he'll ask me, what do you think of the pedigree, the cross, and what do you think about the video? So believe it or not, we really don't have a lot of 
of arguments over it. Now, mind you, if one turns out really good, I like to take the credit and say, oh, yeah, that's the one I like. But if it doesn't, <laughs> then I totally blame him. Visiting with Christine Cernison from Millstream Farms. Now, Christine, obviously, uh, legislation was just passed, and I think it certainly has helped the health of the Harrisburg sale. Is Obviously, it's a very strong sale now, but uh, the legislation was uh, just passed uh, last week, and obviously a big provision for the horsemen uh, in the uh, state of Pennsylvania uh, in that piece of legislation was now the legislature can no longer raid the racing funds, which is obviously huge for, uh, you know, investing because obviously when you're buying a yearling, you're investing in two, three, four years down the road. And it's obviously when you're investing, it's very important to know that the business is going to be healthy, you know, two, three, four years from now. So obviously Christine, that had to be a big thing and you guys got to be happy about that. Absolutely. I mean, Pennsylvania has always been a great place to, you know, have the fire stakes program to breed to the stallions that are there. You know, Hanover is just phenomenal in terms of their stallion management and whatnot. Diamond Creek has really become quite a great stallion farm as well. So, you know, you have a lot of options to go there and for the program to be as strong as it is and to continue is wonderful. And obviously we have a new um, governor in New Jersey who supposedly supports harness racing. So we hope that that's going to continue and, you know, he's going to, pave some waves for us breeders and obviously horsemen in the state of New Jersey as well. So we hope that that's, that's going to take place just as well as the Pennsylvania program continuing. No question. Well, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. What's ahead for uh, the Zernison team? What, uh, what would you guys like to accomplish in the sport of harness racing going forward? You know, at, as long as we can continue to make strides and improve not only our breeding industry, but also um, the harness racing, we're kind of a double, a double team here of having the breeding farm and the racing barn as well. So, you know, as long as world dominance can take place, that would be fantastic. No, I'm just kidding. But honestly, <laughs> you know, we would just absolutely love to continue where we're going and, and make strides towards that. So, all right, fantastic. Well, Kristen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and uh, best of luck in the Harrisburg sale, and best of luck moving forward. Thanks, y'all. I really appreciate it. All right, that was Christine Zernison from Millstream Farm, and we certainly appreciate her joining us. Jeremy Day is in the on-deck circle. It's our Inside Handicapping Series that is going to continue. That's coming up, plus much, much more. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519 519- 
519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's the stable.ca. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. 12 championship races. The captain, not to be denied. One spectacular night. And Father Patrick and a coast home champion here. Breeders' Crown 2018, coming to the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Pitching up the rail, modern legend there. Foiled again, dead game. Clear vision laid on the outside. Pit Rock on the inside. Photo finish. Foiled again at Pit Rock together. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Retrain, rehab, rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. It's our Inside Handicapping Series continuing. And right now we're joined by one of Harness Racing's best handicappers. He does uh, a lot of work for the Daily Racing Forum, gives his picks as well, especially on the big days. He is the one and only Jeremy Day. Jeremy, welcome to the program, my friend. How are you? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. How's it going today? Doing fantastic. Uh, great to have you aboard. And, and obviously, we're going to talk about some handicapping. Let's talk the first thing that I love to ask uh, different handicappers, because it seems like everybody has a different answer, is when you open a page, when you open that harness racing program, and you get to the first race or whatever race you may be, what are some of the first things that you look for when you're handicapping a race? Well, the first things that I'll look for is I'll read the condition, you know, because you might, you know, you might have a horse in the race, you know, where maybe, you know, the they change the condition to allow that horse in. But, uh, you know, definitely you want to read the condition, you know, who's eligible, you know, um, that's, you know, that's the first thing you want to look at, you know, when you're when you're handicapping a particular race. 
Now, listen, I, I, you know, he said one of the best handicappers. Right? I wouldn't say that. I think I'm – no, I'm just kidding. Jeremy, of course. <laughs> Jeremy, I'm kidding, of course. But uh, I was trying to teach Kate how to read a program the other night, and, uh, you know, she uh, – you know, she uh, she outpicked me, uh, Jeremy. She went three of four in our uh, pick four at Northfield. I thought that was uh, pretty good. But, you know, when, when you're looking at a program and, you know, looking at a program as a handicapper versus, you know, having somebody new kind of look at the program. As a handicapper, if you're trying to show somebody new who may not be involved with the sport of harness racing, what's one thing that you can help them uh, kind of or maybe uh, have them jump off the pages. There's a lot of information on, the, on in that program. Well, you know, that's one thing that, you know, I think as harness racing that we don't do a good enough job of. You know, we don't, you know, we don't educate some of the new players as well as we should. You know, um, you know, some of the easier things to look for is, you know, look, you know, look to see who the highest percentage trainers are. You know, look, uh, look to see who the highest, you know, winning drivers are you know, max, you know, match those up and, you know, and kind of look at that. Uh, I mean, if you're, if you're somewhat new, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's a good way to sit and learn, but, um, you know, teaching wagering as a whole, you know, like some, you know, sometimes you'll go there and they'll, you know, say put two to win place show on a horse, you know, one of the favorites or whatever. And you just, you just can't get much return on your investment for that. Whereas if we, if we educated, you know, newer players more, you know, maybe how to, you know, wheel some exactas or maybe key a horse in a trifecta uh, or something like that where, you know, you might win, you know, 50, 60 or even a lot more money. I think that would get that would get some of the new players more excited. Hallelujah. Somebody finally says it. Thank the Lord. Somebody finally says it. I have been banging that drum for fan education for months and years and years. And I think that is actually, Jeremy, to be quite honest, I think that is more of a challenge and i think that needs to be addressed even more than bringing people through the door because now i can only speak for hazel park if you you know marketed halfway okay if you put on a cheap hot dog night or a cheap beer night you know a lot of times that's enough to get people through the door but the challenge is is to try to engage these people to learn more about how to make money. And if people realize it's like poker, it's like anything else. If, I think if people realize that they have a fighting chance of making money, then I think that we'll definitely improve our return customers. You know, you get people that come out one time, they'll come out for the cheap beer, they'll come out for the cheap hot dogs, they'll spend 20 bucks. And, uh, oh, that was fun. And that's it. You'll never hear from them again. But what if we could turn that person into somebody that comes out five or six or seven times a year? And we could turn out the person that comes five or six or seven times a year, make them come out 14, 15, 16 times a year. You know, I definitely agree 1,000% that this sport does not do enough to try to educate its people as far as wagering and try to make, to try to get them to realize that, you can make money, that you can make an investment in this game, and that it can pay off, kind of like poker. Well, I, I got a couple ideas for that. You know, um, you know, everybody just wants to do, you know, like the standard, you know, the standard, um, you know, co- handicapping competition where, you know, you pick one horse and, you know, two to win and place on that horse, and then you add them all up at the end of the night, and whoever, you know, whoever, went, you know, made the best picks wins. But, uh, you know, one, one way we could go about this, like, let's say you have 10 races, let's say like race one, 
you know, uh, you have, uh, you like, let's say you, you automatically key in the favorite for second, and then you have, you have the contestant pick three horses on top of the favorite. So, you know, that's for race one. And then race two, like, let's say you have a, you know, you, you do a trifecta, like a dollar trifecta where, where you put, you know, one, one horse is keyed in on top for everybody. And then you, you put two horses uh, for the second spot and then maybe three horses for the third spot. And you do, you know, you, you make each bet a little bit different. So where, you know, not only is the contestant, you know, learning, you know, a little bit how to wheel and key and stuff like that, but uh, again, you're just you're you're giving them more opportunity to get some return on their investment. You don't know how many times, especially with newcomers, uh, you know, especially at Hazel Park, where we used to do a really good live when we used to put on the dollar nights and the and the two dollar beers and and had a band play and we'd get those people out there. A lot of newbies, a lot of people obviously didn't know how to wager, but you know the disappointment when they would go make a wager. And they would, uh, no matter what that wager may be, probably $2 to show on the favorite or $2 to win on the favorite or something along those lines. And, you know, the horses are coming down the stretch and they're screaming and they're hooping and they're hollering and they're really cheering their horse on, you know, really working hard to get their horse home. And so the horse wins. They're very happy. All of a sudden, here comes the payout and it's 240 and they've won yep. 40 cents. And, oh, then, then you hear, oh boy, I won forty cents, big deal, and that's it. That's it. Yep. They won't come for the next year, the year after, the, for Derby or whatever, and you just missed out on getting that player, turning them, educating them, trying to get them to come back, and that's it. You've lost them, and I just think that that is so so important. Things like you just talked about right there, trying to teach people how to wheel, trying to get people engaged. You know, we do have a complicated game. There's no question about it. It's complicated from the time you open the program to read the reading the past performances. A lot of people compare it to hieroglyphics, trying to read something off an Egyptian ancient cave or something. Okay, so you've got all these stats and statistics, but so does fantasy sports have all the stats and statistics, and people love it. People can't get enough of stats and statistics, especially in football and baseball. So yeah, we do have a challenging sport, but you know what? At the same token, I think that could work to our advantage because if you're smart enough and if you're up to that challenge, there's certainly money to be made. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head. If if you can just bring the people out and get them there and then contests where, you know, you're not just doing the standard stuff, you're actually you know, teaching them, you know, how to, how to, you know, how to navigate each bet because most, most, you know, novice players like Mike's, you know, girlfriend, she might not know what a, you know, what a tri wheel is or an exact key or a, you know, a pick four wheel or something like that. So if you, you know, if you set up some contests and maybe even you guys can do it at, you know, Mike and Mike, you know, set up a contest where you got 10 races and, and on, on 10 of those races, you know, set up a different bet where, you know, again, you'll, you guys will actually pick, you know, the favorite, for for second and every every player has to have that that favorite second and then you have the contestant you know pick two or three horses on top for that exacta so when one of them picks the long shot you know and that that exacta pays you know 50 60 80 100 dollars you know they're seeing they're, they're you know the wheels start turning in their head and they're you know and they're starting to actually get you know how to you know how to make a little bit better bets where you can actually get a return 
All right, Jeremy. Well, listen, let's go. Let's go. Kind of switch gears back to the uh, handicapping part of it, uh, and, and kind of talk about you know things that maybe stick out off the page at you. You know, first time Lasix horses coming first time off of a layoff. Do those things kind of stick out to you as a handicapper at all? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But you know, you, it's a little bit more than that for for harness racing, like in thoroughbreds. You know, a lot of the handicappers talk about the first time Lasix. You know, in, in harness racing, you know, what I've come to find is, you know, the second time Lasix works a little bit better. But, um, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, all kinds of angles, and, you know, every handicapper has their own. You know, one thing that I like to look for is, you know, like let's say that they're in a race, you're going to have like a heavy favorite. Even Jeremy? I think we lost it, Mike. See, that just happened to me about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> well, that, so Jeremy's probably going to call back. Yeah, I would he'll probably assume. call back. Hey, hey, yeah, listen, but, real quick. Yeah. Let's let's kind of you know let's we we're gonna throw a little bit of a curveball into as Jeremy's come back. We're gonna yeah. throw a little bit of a uh, we'll throw a little bit of a curveball, Mike. The nomination site is up. Mm-hmm. I just hit the publish button. Beautiful. On, Beautiful. On the nomination okay. sites. So the nominations are uh, open. Now, I guess you could say. All right, so go to posttimewithmikeandmike.com uh, for the awards. They are open. Jeremy Day is rejoining us. Jeremy, you there, my friend? Yeah, I'm here. So I, as I was saying, what one thing that I like to look for, you know, is I like to look for some vulnerable vulnerable favorites, and I'll give you an example. And, uh, Mike, you probably know this one. Uh, Mike Bosich, you probably know this one. There's a horse that races in Chicago uh, named Big Brad. And the, he was, a, as a two-year-old, the horse, you know, he set the track record as a two-year-old, you know, didn't quite come back as well as three. But between the three and the four-year-old, I kid you not, every single week, somehow this horse ends up three to five, four to five, six to five, every single week. And, uh, and I actually calculated at one point, you know, the horse was two for 63, but I kid you not, you look at his lines, and every single week the horse is bet the favorite. So if you can, you know, if you can find something like that, you know, at your favorite track, you know, maybe maybe there's one horse at your track where it's like the track's favorite, and there's always heavy money on that horse. Well, that would be a good race to, you know, go and find those, you know, second, you know, the the other, two, you know, contenders that you like that are price shots. You know, that's 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 one thing that I really like to look for is I like to look for a horse that always takes money and, you know, never seems to get the job done. And that's, that's a great race to bet. Jeremy, the multi-race wages have obviously become popular, not only in harness, but in thoroughbred racing where your pick threes and uh, obviously pick fours and pick fives have uh, become super popular as well. Um, what, what are some of your strategies when you go to construct a, like a pick four or a pick five ticket? Do you have anything particular that you like to do when you get ready to construct one of those tickets? Well, yeah, I do. And, and, but here's the thing is, is every single sequence, every single track, every single race is different. So, you know, you know, my one complaint is against, you know, some of the handicappers that use their system and their numbers and stuff like that is, you know, every single sequence and every single race is different. So I approach it where, you know, like, let's say I, when I wake up in the morning, one of the first things I do is look at the carryovers. You know, there might be a, you know, there might be a pick five carryover at Northfield. There might be a pick four carryover at Hoosier. So carryover you know, you can approach it a little bit different where, you know, sometimes you might not want to include that four to five um, that you don't really like. Sometimes you may include him, you know, just because there's more value in the pool, there's going to be, you know, maybe there's a negative takeout. 
But what I like to look for in pick fours and pick five is just kind of what I what I just talked about. You know, again, going back to the example with Big Brad, you know, a lot of times that horse would start out the pick four sequence at ball moral. So, again, you know, this, this four to five horse is always taking heavy money. He's two for his last 63. So, you know, I'll start off right off the bat where I'll, you know, take three or four long shots in that race and not even use that horse. Um, it's it's more or less, you know, just, you know, not not going with the favorite in every race. If you can find a, a, a race in that sequence where you don't like the heavy favorite and you can kind of use some price shots around him and key your ticket like that, you know, you're not going to hit every single pick four or pick five, but when you do hit one and you and – you, you didn't use the favor that you didn't like, you know, it's going to, you're going to be rewarded a lot more. Jeremy, one final question before we let you go, your, your go-to angle, if everything closed and the only thing available to make any kind of money was harness racing and you had to use one angle, your go-to angle, what would it be? That's a tough question. Um, my, one of my go-to, my, if 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 you put a you know if 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 you if I have to choose one, I would say probably uh, sharp horses coming from smaller tracks where the times aren't as good. Like let's say you got a horse coming from Yonkers, you know, um, where they're only racing in 57 and 58, but uh, you know it's a, it's a high class, and then you know and then they're going to the meadow Meadowlands or another big track. A lot of times that horse won't get too much play because. You know, people look at the lines and they see it's going a lot slower, but um, now you're going to a fast track. A lot of times you'll get, you know, 10 to 1, 15 to 1, 20 to 1, when that horse really should probably be 4 or 5 to 1. So if you make me pick one, you know, I'll go with that one. All right. Well, Jeremy, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, and uh, listen, best of luck to you at the windows, my friend. We know that, that you'll be punching. And obviously, uh, we can find you. I know you post on Twitter a lot, but if anybody wants to follow you or and also you, you uh, send DRF your picks, I know quite a bit, especially on the big days. I know you're part of the, uh, the team that they uh, assemble a good group of handicappers. If anybody wants to follow me on Twitter, how could they do that? Well, you can get Wednesday Northfield uh, through DRF Plus, and right now DRF Plus, is, I believe, is still free for another week or so. So right now I, I'm, I'm more of the Midwest guy. Uh, you can get Wednesday Northfield, and you can also get uh, Hawthorne uh, when they fire back up again. So I, I mostly do the Hawthorne and the Northfield for the DRF. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm on Twitter, and I do some of the, you know, the bigger picks for the bigger days, and uh, that's where you can find me. All right. Well, Jeremy, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Best of luck at the windows. We'll be following you. Thanks a lot, guys. Keep up the good work. All right. That was Jeremy Day. Uh, does a lot of uh, does a lot of handicapping for DRF Harness. Uh, he had a chance to uh, he had a chance to come up to the booth uh, a couple of months ago, and we got in a pretty good conversation about handicapping. And I'll tell you what, Mike. Jeremy knows his stuff. Yeah, and he's a super nice guy. Uh, and listen, uh, if you ever need a mattress, reach out to our friend Jeremy Day. Uh, he does uh, great work with uh, Mattress Firm in Arkansas. And I'll tell you what, for having to work a regular job, Mike, he, he is everywhere. He's been at the Breeders' Crown. He was at the Jug. He, you know, he, his face seems to be everywhere uh, for having a regular job. Uh, not, like, not so much like me and you, but uh, having just a regular day job. All right, so Mr. M- Mr. Matei wanted me to play this before we get to our final commercial oh, break. And, uh, let, 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 let's listen to this. Hey, you know, it's not all about Matei. 
the stretch drive. Linebacker kid outside. The only one is out for the drive. Raining black swan is up the inside. Third mid stretch. Holy moly. Outside. The only one inside. Raining black swan comes out of the finish. The only one. And that's a wrap. Did you say holy moly in the middle of a race call? Well, of course, because I couldn't talk. <laughs> Come on. What was that? I had to actually, I had to have Batay come in and do some post parades. Did you? Well, listen, next week you won't have to worry about that. Absolutely. Well, you'll be here next week, so you'll be calling some races uh, here at Harris, Philadelphia. So uh, we certainly can't wait for that. And uh, but by the way, Mike, Tuesday too. That's right. But let's get let's get to uh, let's get to the brass taxes because our nominations for the 2017 Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards are now open. So stay tuned. We do have to take one final commercial hey, time hey, hey, Mike. Yes, sir. Real, real quick before I time out, I've already got four nominations. Wow. Just that quick. Unbelievable. That this quick. is, this is our favorite time of year, guys. This is, this, is, this is turned into – you know, it started off as a show, okay, with the Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards show. Now I think it's kind of turned into Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards season. Right. Because – you know, we get the nominations, and honestly, we can't wait to wake up each morning to check that mailbox to see all those <laughs> nominations the there. It's it's really an awesome feeling. That is the absolute truth, uh, Mike. Uh, you know, it, it's a lot of fun to sit back and kind of watch the emails just kind of roll in. And uh, the press release was uh, set out uh, just a little bit ago. You can find the links on both of our social media platforms at Post Time with Mike and Mike uh, on Twitter and uh, on Facebook as well. Okay, one real quick short time out when we come back, we'll wrap things up on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Now at Bet America, every track is a bonus track. Earn rewards points for every wager you make on every track. We also offer more points for all exotic wagers. And don't forget about our weekly promos. Check our calendar to see how you can earn double points on featured tracks and races. Sign up for Bet America today to start earning points and get up to a $400 bonus with our new 200% deposit match. See our website for reward points, state restrictions. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Picking up speed. Here they come. They're off, and it is on. If you're already off and pacing, what's the next step? If you're between the ages of 8 and 17 or know someone who is, visit thisisharnessracing.com to download the application for the This Is Harness Racing Aspiring Drivers Program. Perks include being a driver in the off and pacing game, meeting real-life top drivers, and getting free off and pacing merchandise. Join the movement. This is HarnessRacing.com. Hashtag This is Harness Racing on Twitter and Facebook. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And I'll tell you what, Mike, uh, where is this last hour and a half gone? It's been a, uh, it's been a whirlwind uh, show, that's for sure. 
Yeah, it certainly has, and the nominations are already flowing in for the 2017 Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards. Once again, Mike, before we let everybody go, what's the best way for people to get their nominations in? Where can they go? Go to Post Time with Mike and Mike. At the very top of the page, you'll see Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards. It's got our mini site. There's advertising information, nomination form. The Wall of Fame is there as well. We're actually going to share that here in just a little bit as well. Uh, so we've just hit the publish button, Mike. Uh, and I'll tell you what, it's a uh, it, it's that time of year again, and it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. Once again, log on to our website, post time with Mike and Mike.com. Special thanks to all of our guests today, Tim Tietrich, Christine Zonison, Jeremy Day. Special thanks to Melissa Keith, by the way, who sent us uh, a very nice little promo there. She does great work up there, Mike. She's uh, uh, helps us out on Twitter a little bit. Uh, I know she handles the Twitter, the Twitter for Ushua Canada, right? Am I right on that? <laughs> You can't talk when you have no voice, and you can't talk now. But, yes, she does handle Ushua Canada. The Twitter, the Twitter. She's got the Twitter feed. Ushua Canada, right? (laughs) That is correct. Well, for everybody here, Post Time with Mike and Mike, we'll see you back here next Thursday, first post, 1030. Good night, everybody. One last call for alcohol to finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know.